book twenty two of pierre or the ambiguities by herman melville this librivox recording is in the public domain the flower curtain lifted from before a tropical author with some remarks on the transcendental flesh brush philosophy chapter one some days passed after the fatal tidings from the meadows and at length somewhat mastering his emotions pierre again sits down in his chamber for grieve how he will yet work he must and now day succeeds day and week follows week and pierre still sits in his chamber the long rows of cooled brick kilns around him scarce know of the change but from the fair fields of his great-great-great-grandfather's manor summer hath flown like a swallow guest the perfidious white autumn hath peeped in at the groves of the maple and under pretence of clothing them in rich russet and gold hath stripped them at last of the slightest rag and then ran away laughing prophetic icicles depend from the arbors round about the old manorial mansion now locked up and abandoned and the little round marble table in the viny summer-house where of july mornings he had sat chatting and drinking negus with his gay mother is now spread with a shivering napkin of frost sleety varnish hath encrusted that once gay mother's grave preparing it for its final ceremonies of wrapping snow upon snow wild howl the winds in the woods it is winter sweet summer is done and autumn is done but the book like the bitter winter is yet to be finished that season's weed is long garnered pierre that season's ripe apples and grapes are in no crop no plant no fruit is out the whole harvest is done oh woe to that belated winter overtaken plant which the summer could not bring to maturity the drifting winter snows shall whelm it think pierre doth not thy plant belong to some other and tropical clime though transplanted to northern maine the orange tree of the floridas will put forth leaves in that parsimonious summer and show some few tokens of fruitage yet november will find no golden globes thereon and the passionate old lumberman december shall peel the whole tree wrench it off at the ground and toss it for a faggot to some lime kiln ah pierre pierre make haste make haste force thy fruitage lest the winter force thee watch yon little toddler how long it is learning to stand by itself first it shrieks and implores and will not try to stand at all unless both father and mother uphold it then a little more bold it must at least feel one parental hand else again the cry and the tremble long time is it ere by degrees this child comes to stand without any support but by and by grown up to man's estate it shall leave the very mother that bore it and the father that begot it and cross the seas perhaps or settle in far oregon lands there now do you see the soul in its germ on all sides it is closely folded by the world as the husk folds the tenderest fruit then it is born from the world husk but still now 
outwardly clings to it still clamours for the support of its mother the world and its father the deity but it shall yet learn to stand independent though not without many a bitter wail and many a miserable fall that hour of the life of a man when first the help of humanity fails him and he learns that in his obscurity and indigence humanity holds him a dog and no man that hour is a hard one but not the hardest there is still another hour which follows when he learns that in his infinite comparative minuteness and abjectness the gods do likewise despise him and own him not of their clan divinity and humanity then are equally willing that he should starve in the street for all that either will do for him now cruel father and mother have both let go his hand and the little soul toddler now you shall hear his shriek and his wail and often his fall when at saddle meadows pierre had wavered and trembled in those first wretched hours ensuing upon the receipt of isabel's letter then humanity had let go the hand of pierre and therefore his cry but when at last inured to this pierre was seated at his book willing that humanity should desert him so long as he thought he felt a far higher support then ere long he began to feel the utter loss of that other support too ay even the paternal gods themselves did now desert pierre the toddler was toddling entirely alone and not without shrieks if man must wrestle perhaps it is well that it should be on the nakedest possible plane the three chambers of pierre at the apostles were connecting ones the first having a little retreat where delhi slept was used for the more exacting domestic purposes here also their meals were taken the second was the chamber of isabel the third was the closet of pierre in the first the dining-room as they called it there was a stove which boiled the water for their coffee and tea and where delhi concocted their light repasts this was their only fire forewarned again and again to economize to the uttermost pierre did not dare to purchase any additional warmth but by prudent management a very little warmth may go a great way in the present case it went some forty feet or more a horizontal pipe after elbowing away from above the stove in the dining-room pierced the partition wall and passing straight through isabel's chamber entered the closet of pierre at one corner and then abruptly disappeared into the wall where all further caloric if any went up through the chimney into the air to help warm the december sun now the great distance of pierre's calorical stream from its fountain sadly impaired it and weakened it it hardly had the flavour of heat it would have had but very inconsiderable influence in raising the depressed spirits of the most mercurial thermometer certainly it was not very elevating to the spirits of pierre besides this calorical stream small as it was did not flow through the room but only entered it to elbow right out of it as some coquettish maidens enter the heart moreover it was in the furthest corner from the only place where with a judicious view to the light pierre's desk-barrels and board could advantageously stand often isabel insisted upon his having a separate stove to himself but pierre would not listen to such a thing then isabel would offer her own room to him saying it was of no indispensable use to her by day she could easily spend her time in the dining-room but pierre would not listen to such a thing he would not deprive her of the comfort of a continually accessible privacy besides he was now used to his own room and must sit by that particular window there and no other 
then isabel would insist upon keeping her connecting door open while pierre was employed at his desk that so the heat of her room might bodily go into his but pierre would not listen to such a thing because he must be religiously locked up while at work outer love and hate must alike be excluded then in vain isabel said she would make not the slightest noise and muffle the point of the very needle she used all in vain pierre was inflexible here yes he was resolved to battle it out in his own solitary closet though a strange transcendental conceit of one of the more erratic and non-conforming apostles who was also at this time engaged upon a profound work above stairs and who denied himself his full sufficiency of food in order to ensure an abundant fire the strange conceit of this apostle i say accidentally communicated to pierre that through all the kingdoms of nature caloric was the great universal producer and vivifier and could not be prudently excluded from the spot where great books were in the act of creation and therefore he the apostle for one was resolved to plant his head in a hot-bed of stove-warmed air and so force his brain to germinate and blossom and bud and put forth the eventual crowning victorious flower though indeed this conceit rather staggered pierre for in truth there was no small smack of plausible analogy in it yet one thought of his purse would wholly expel the unwelcome intrusion and reinforce his own previous resolve however lofty and magnificent the movements of the stars whatever celestial melodies they may thereby beget yet the astronomers assure us that they are the most rigidly methodical of all the things that exist no old housewife goes her daily domestic round with one millionth part the precision of the great planet jupiter in his stated and unalterable revolutions he has found his orbit and stays in it he has timed himself and adheres to his periods so in some degree with pierre now revolving in the troubled orbit of his book pierre rose moderately early and the better to inure himself to the permanent chill of his room and to defy and beard to its face the cruelest cold of the outer air he would behind the curtain throw down the upper sash of his window and on a square of old painted canvas formerly wrapping some bale of goods in the neighbourhood treat his limbs of those early december mornings to a copious ablution in water thickened with incipient ice nor in this stoic performance was he at all without company not present but adjoiningly sympathetic for scarce an apostle in all those scores and scores of chambers but undeviatingly took his daily december bath pierre had only to peep out of his pain and glance round the multi-windowed enclosing walls of the quadrangle to catch plentiful half-glimpses all round him of many a lean philosophical nudity refreshing his meagre bones with crash towel and cold water quick be the play was their motto lively are our elbows and limbo all our tenuities oh the dismal echoings of the raspings of flesh-brushes perverted to the filing and polishing of the merest ribs oh the shuddersome splashings of pails of ice-water over feverish heads not unfamiliar with aches oh the rheumatical cracklings of rusted joints in that defied air of december for every thick frosted sash was down and every lean nudity courted the zephyr among all the innate hyena-like repellents to the reception of any set form of a spiritually minded and pure archetypical faith there is nothing so potent in its sceptical tendencies as that inevitable perverse ridiculousness which so often bestreaks some of the essentially finest and noblest aspirations of those men who disgusted with the common conventional quackeries strive in their clogged terrestrial humanities after some imperfectly discerned but heavenly 
ideals ideals not only imperfectly discerned in themselves but the path to them so little traceable that no two minds will entirely agree upon it hardly a new light apostle but who in superaddition to his revolutionary scheme for the minds and philosophies of men entertains some insane heterodoxical notions about the economy of his body his soul introduced by the gentlemanly gods into the supernal society practically rejects that most sensible maxim of men of the world who chancing to gain the friendship of any great character never make that the ground of boring him with the supplemental acquaintance of their next friend who perhaps is some miserable ninny love me love my dog is only an adage for the old country women who affectionately kiss their cows the gods love the soul of a man often they will frankly accost it but they abominate his body and will forever cut it dead both here and hereafter so if thou wouldst go to the gods leave thy dog of a body behind thee and most impotently thou strivest with thy purifying cold baths and thy diligent scrubbings with flesh brushes to prepare it as a meat offering for their altar nor shall all thy pythagorean and shellian dietings on apple parings dried prunes and crumbs of oatmeal cracker ever fit thy body for heaven feed all things with food convenient for them that is if the food be procurable the food of thy soul is light in space feed it then on light in space but the food of thy body is champagne and oysters feed it then on champagne and oysters and so shall it merit a joyful resurrection if there is any to be say wouldst thou rise with a lantern jaw and a spavined knee rise with brawn on thee and a most royal corporation before thee so shalt thou in that day claim respectful attention know this that while many a consumptive dietarian has but produced the merest literary flatulencies to the world convivial authors have alike given utterance to the sublimest wisdom and created the least gross and most ethereal forms and for men of demonstrative muscle and action consider that right royal epitaph which cyrus the great caused to be engraved on his tomb i could drink a great deal of wine and it did me a great deal of good ah foolish to think that by starving thy body thou shalt fatten thy soul is yonder ox fatted because yonder lean fox starves in the winter wood and prate not of despising thy body while still thou flourisheth thy flesh brush the finest houses are most cared for within the outer walls are freely left to the dust and the soot put venison in thee and so wit shall come out of thee it is one thing in the milk but another in the sack now it was the continual quadrangular example of those forlorn fellows the apostles who in this period of his half-developments and transitions had deluded pierre into the flesh-brush philosophy and had almost tempted him into the apple-parings dialectics for all the long wards corridors and multitudinous chambers of the apostles were scattered with the stems of apples the stones of prunes and the shells of peanuts they went about huskily muttering the kantian categories through teeth and lips dry and dusty as any miller's with the crumbs of graham crackers a tumbler of cold water was the utmost welcome to their reception-rooms at the grand supposed sanhedrim presided over by one of the deputies of plotinus plinlimon a huge jug of adam's ale and a bushel basket of graham crackers were the only convivials continually bits of cheese were dropping from their pockets and old shiny apple parchments were ignorantly exhibited every time they drew out a manuscript to read you some were curious in the vintages of water and in three glass decanters set before you fairmount croton and conchituate 
they held that croton was the most potent fermont of gentle tonic and contituate the mildest and least inebriating of all take some more of the croton my dear sir be brisk with the fermont why stops the constituent so on their philosophical tables went round their port their sherry and their claret some further advanced rejected mere water in the bath as altogether too coarse an element and so took to the vapour baths and steamed their lean ribs every morning the smoke which issued from their heads and overspread their pages was prefigured in the mists that issued from under their door-sills and out of their windows some could not sit down of a morning until after first applying the vapour bath outside and then thoroughly rinsing out their interiors with five cups of cold croton they were as faithfully replenished by our buckets and could they standing in one cordon have consecutively pumped themselves into each other then the great fire of eighteen thirty five had been far less widespread and disastrous ah ye poor lean ones ye wretched sokites and vaporites have not your niggardly fortunes enough rinsed ye out and wizened ye but ye must still be dragging the hose-pipe and throwing still more cold croton on yourselves in the world ah attach the screw of your hose-pipe to some fine old butt of madeira pump us some sparkling wine into the world see see already from all eternity two-thirds of it have lain helplessly soaking chapter two with cheek rather pale then and lips rather blue pierre sits down to his plank but is pierre packed in the mail for st petersburg this morning over his boots are his moccasins over his ordinary coat is his sore tooth and over that a cloak of isabel's now he is squared to his plank and at his hint the affectionate isabel gently pushes his chair closer to it for he is so muffled he can hardly move of himself now delly comes in with bricks hot from the stove and now isabel and she with devoted solicitude pack away these comforting stones in the folds of an old blue cloak a military garment of the grandfather of pierre and tenderly arrange it both over and under his feet but putting the warm flagging beneath and delly brings still another hot brick to put under his inkstand to prevent the ink from thickening then isabel drags the camp bedstead nearer to him on which are the two or three books he may possibly have occasion to refer to that day with a biscuit or two and some water and a clean towel and a basin then she leans against the plank by the elbow of pierre a crook-ended stick is pierre a shepherd or a bishop or a cripple no but he has in effect reduced himself to the miserable condition of the last with a crook-ended cane pierre unable to rise without sadly impairing his manifold entrenchments and admitting the cold air into their innermost nooks pierre if in his solitude he should chance to need anything beyond the reach of his arm then the crook-ended cane drags it to his immediate vicinity pierre glances slowly all round him everything seems to be right he looks up with a grateful melancholy satisfaction at isabel a tear gathers in her eye but she conceals it from him by coming very close to him stooping over and kissing his brow tis her lips that leave the warm moisture there not her tears she says i suppose i must go now pierre now don't don't be so long to-day i will call thee at half-past four thou shalt not strain thine eyes in the twilight we will see about that says pierre with an unobserved attempt at a very sad pun come thou must go leave me and there he is left pierre is young heaven gave him the divinest freshest form of a man put light into his eye and fire into his blood and brawn into his arm and a joyous jubilant overflowing up bubbling universal life in him everywhere 
now look around in that most miserable room and at that most miserable of all the pursuits of a man and say if here be the place and this be the trade that god intended him for a rickety chair two hollow barrels a plank paper pens and infernally black ink four leprously dingy white walls no carpet a cup of water and a dry biscuit or two oh i hear the leap of the texan comanche as at this moment he goes crashing like a wild deer through the green underbrush i hear his glorious whoop of savage and untamable health and then i look in at pierre if physical practical unreason make the savage which is he civilization philosophy ideal virtue behold your victim chapter three some hours pass let us peep over the shoulder of pierre and see what it is he is writing there in that most melancholy closet here topping the reeking pile by his side is the last sheet from his hand the frenzied ink not yet entirely dry it is much to our purpose for in this sheet he seems to have directly plagiarized from his own experiences to fill out the mood of his apparent author hero vivia who thus soliloquizes a deep down unutterable mournfulness is in me now i drop all humorous or indifferent disguises and all philosophical pretensions i own myself a brother of the clod a child of the primeval gloom hopelessness and despair are over me as paul on paul away ye chattering apes of a sophomorean spinoza and plato who once didst all but delude me that the night was day and pain only a tickle explain this darkness exorcise this devil ye cannot tell me not thou inconceivable coxcomb of a gerda that the universe cannot spare thee and thy immortality so long as like a hired waiter thou makest thyself generally useful already the universe gets on without thee and could still spare a million more of the same identical kidney corporations have no souls and thy pantheism what was that thou wert but the pretensions heartless part of a man lo i hold thee in this hand and thou art crushed in it like an egg from which the meat hath been sucked here is a slip from the floor whence flow the panegyrical melodies that precede the march of these heroes from what but from a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal and here is a second cast thy eye in there on vivia tell me why those four limbs should be clapped in a dismal jail day out day in week out week in month out month in and himself the voluntary jailer is this the end of philosophy this the larger and spiritual life this your boasted empyrean is it for this that a man should grow wise and leave off his most excellent and calumniated folly and here is a third cast thy eye in there on vivia he who in the pursuit of the highest health of virtue and truth shows but a pallid cheek weigh his heart in thy hand o thou gold-laced virtuoso gerda and tell me whether it does not exceed thy standard weight and here's a fourth o god that man should spoil and rust on the stalk and be wilted and threshed ere the harvest hath come and o god that men that call themselves men should still insist on a laugh i hate the world and could trample all lungs of mankind as grapes and heal them out of their breath to think of the woe and the cant to think of the truth and the lie o blessed be the twenty-first day of december and cursed be the twenty-first day of june from these random slips it would seem that pierre is quite conscious of much that is so anomalously hard and bitter in his lot of much that is so black and terrific in his soul 
yet that knowing his fatal condition does not one whit enable him to change or better his condition conclusive proof that he has no power over his condition for in tremendous extremities human souls are like drowning men well enough they know they are in peril well enough they know the causes of that peril nevertheless the sea is the sea and these drowning men do drown chapter four from eight o'clock in the morning till half-past four in the evening pierre sits there in his room eight hours and a half from throbbing neck-bands and swinging belly-bands of gay-hearted horses the sleigh-bells chimingly jingle but pierre sits there in his room thanksgiving comes with its glad thanks and crisp turkeys but pierre sits there in his room soft through the snows on tinted indian moccasin merry christmas comes stealing but pierre sits there in his room it is new year's and like a great flagon the vast city overbrims at all curbstones wharves and piers with bubbling jubilations but pierre sits there in his room nor jingling sleigh-bells at throbbing neck-band or swinging belly-band nor glad thanks and crisp turkeys of thanksgiving nor tinted indian moccasin of merry christmas softly stealing through the snows nor new year's curbstones wharves and piers overbrimming with bubbling jubilations nor jingling sleigh-bells nor glad thanksgiving nor merry christmas nor jubilating new year's nor bell thank christ year none of these are for pierre in the midst of the merriments of the mutations of time pierre hath ringed himself in with the grief of eternity pierre is a peak inflexible in the heart of time as the isle peak pico stands unassaultable in the midst of waves he will not be called to he will not be stirred sometimes the intent ear of isabel in the next room overhears the alternate silence and then the long lonely scratch of his pen it is as if she heard the busy claw of some midnight mole in the ground sometimes she hears a low cough and sometimes the scrape of his crook-handled cane here surely is a wonderful stillness of eight hours and a half repeated day after day in the heart of such silence surely something is at work is it creation or destruction builds pierre the noble world of a new book or does the pale haggardness unbuild the lungs and the life in him unutterable that a man should be thus when in the meridian flush of the day we recall the black apex of night then night seems impossible this sun can never go down oh that the memory of the uttermost gloom as an already tasted thing to the dregs should be no security against its return one may be passably well one day but the next he may sup at black broth with pluto is there then all this work to one book which shall be read in a very few hours and far more frequently utterly skipped in one second and which in the end whatever it be must undoubtedly go to the worms not so that which now absorbs the time and the life of pierre is not the book but the primitive elementalizing of the strange stuff which in the act of attempting that book have upheaved and upgushed in his soul two books are being writ of which the world shall only see one and that the bungled one the larger book and the infinitely better is for pierre's own private shelf that it is whose unfathomable cravings drink his blood the other only demands his ink but circumstances have so decreed that the one cannot be composed on the paper but only as the other is writ down in his soul and the one of the soul is elephantinely sluggish and will not budge at a breath thus pierre is fastened on by two leeches how then can the life of pierre last lo he is fitting himself for the highest life by thinning his blood and collapsing his heart he is learning how to live by rehearsing the part of death who shall tell all the thoughts and feelings of pierre in that desolate and shivering room when at last the idea obtruded that the wiser 
and the profounder he should grow the more and the more he lessened the chances for bread that could he now hurl his deep book out of the window and fall to on some shallow nothing of a novel composable in a month at the longest then could he reasonably hope for both appreciation and cash but the devouring profundities now opened up in him consume all his vigour witty he could not now be entertainingly and profitably shallow in some pellucid and merry romance now he sees that with every accession of the personal divine to him some great landslide of the general surrounding divineness slips from him and falls crashing away said i not that the gods as well as mankind had unhanded themselves from this pierre so now in him you behold the baby toddler i spoke of forced now to stand and toddle alone now and then he turns to the camp bed and wetting his towel in the basin presses it against his brow now he leans back in his chair as if to give up but again bends over and plods twilight draws on the summons of isabel is heard from the door the poor frozen blue-lipped soul-shivering traveller for st petersburg is unpacked and for a moment stands toddling on the floor then his hat and his cane and out he sallies for fresh air a most comfortless staggering of a stroll people gaze at him passing as at some imprudent sick man wilfully burst from his bed if an acquaintance is met and would say a pleasant newsmonger's word in his ear that acquaintance turns from him affronted at his hard aspect of icy discourtesy bad-hearted mutters the man and goes on he comes back to his chambers and sits down at the neat table of delhi and isabel soothingly eyes him and presses him to eat and be strong but his is the famishing which loathes all food he cannot eat but by force he has assassinated the natural day how then can he eat with an appetite if he lays him down he cannot sleep he has waked the infinite wakefulness in him then how can he slumber still his book like a vast lumbering planet revolves in his aching head he cannot command the thing out of its orbit fain would he behead himself to gain one night's repose at last the heavy hours move on and sheer exhaustion overtakes him and he lies still not asleep as children and day labourers sleep but he lies still from his throbbings and for that interval holdingly sheathes the beak of the vulture in his hand and lets it not enter his heart morning comes again the dropped sash the icy water the flesh brush the breakfast the hot bricks the ink the pen the from eight o'clock to half-past four and the whole general inclusive hell of the same departed day ah shivering thus day after day in his wrappers and cloaks is this the warm lad that once sung to the world of the tropical summer end of book twenty two